now and uh, stand, please. <coughs> Title of the message today is Hear the Rod. Hear the Rod. There's a school bus here that says the School of Hard Knocks. And speaking of School of Hard Knocks, we have a uh, Trouble here. There we go. Read with me, Church of God. The Lord's voice crieth unto the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? Holy Father, may we indeed hear whatever rod you afflict us with. May we respond appropriately. God, may we not have to receive the rod. Now help us, God, to discern this new year. Your hand in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. It's my prayer that this new year, the Lord will enrich us with more sobriety. Remember how often he says, young men ought to be sober. Young women ought to be sober. The aged ought to be sober. I believe when we're sober, we can experience more fellowship with our Lord. We receive more wisdom. We can grow in more holiness and experience more Christian joy in our lives. So we have a text before us that says, the Lord's voice crieth unto the city. I want to set before you this new year, this text. The calamities that fall upon cities, and I tell you what, the cities of America received many this past year. And there are more to come. Those calamities, those curses, those problems, they're crying out to us. God is shouting through them. I've said for years we are in the midst of stage setting. That is, God putting, in, putting everything in place for future judgment. The judgments that are upon us today are just a foreshadowing of the judgments that are coming. See, And we ought to be interpreting things that way. But what people do is they interpret the things they see as a reason to sin more. They say, we got to have a tower of Babel. we got to have a world government. we got to worship the earth. we got to get rid of the God of the Bible. we got to get rid of this Christianity. we got to get rid of the old past and all of this traditional Christianity that built this country. And they end up pouring gas on the fire. They end up 
pretty much walking in what caused the problem to begin with, but even more. Does that make any sense? Folks, the Lord's voice crieth. Not, not only in the city, but unto the city. He's trying to tell you something when He brings afflictions and problems. Let's take sodomy. So many warnings in the Bible, so many warnings in history, and then you have preachers that tell you, if you continue to walk in fornication and adultery and immodesty and all of this, it's going to lead to homosexuality. They're like, oh, that would never happen. That would never be widespread. And now you have it. Widespread in the world. And all sin, especially the most degrading of sins, brings depression. It brings guilt, torment, suicidal thoughts. So do you think people would say, with so many curses, look at the sin that's fallen among us. Look at the destructive habits and lifestyle these people have adopted. And look now at the curses that are coming from this sin. We need to get rid of the sin. We need to figure out what led to this sin. We need to repent. And our, the, uh, repent of the sins of our forefathers even. But you know what they say? They say, we got to get rid of that Bible. It's causing people to feel guilty. We got to get rid of this. You got to stop. Christians need to stop. We got to make laws all over America saying that you're not allowed to tell a young person that you need to change your perceived gender. You need to change your sin. Repent of your sin. They say now that's a crime. A counselor can't do that in some places. You have people blowing up schools, blowing up families, shooting all over the place. Mamas killing their children, dads killing their families. Some, you got kids on video games and computers. The mama comes in, says, clean your room up, and they choke their mama, kill their mama. What in the world's going on? Well, there's a lot of things going on, but one thing's going on is people are playing around with hocus-pocus psychological drugs. So we receive this chaos, and what do they say? We need more drugs. I just don't understand it. The Lord's voice crieth unto the city. Even if it's not a direct judgment, even if a city out here is cursed and you say, you know what, I can't point to any reason. Maybe God knows a reason. But let's say it's not a direct judgment from God. Our Lord said in Luke 13, those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. Here's what I think the Lord's saying. The Lord's saying, don't be rash in thinking that 
because the city's hit with a tornado, that they must necessarily, absolutely be more guilty of sin than the city down the road. Don't, don't automatically assume that. It might be the case, but don't automatically assume that. But what the Lord's saying here is you can use every a, a, a calamity. You should use every affliction. You should use every example of bad things happening to bring more sobriety to you, to get you to examine your life, to get you to repent. There's a lot that you can see right now in the world. There's a lot of cities in our own country. There's a lot of things all around us that we can look at. You can read the daily news or, or, or whatever uh, every single day and say, I need to repent. I need to repent. I see judgment all over the place. I see calamities. I see things that are showing us what's coming and we ought to use them for repentance. See, there's a danger you miss the voice of God. God doesn't say, I'm whispering this. He says, I'm crying out to you. I'm crying out into the city. I'm crying out. Why don't you hear? Why don't you hear that worse judgment's coming? Why don't you hear that worse judgment's coming for you if you do not repent? So we ought to see God's sovereignty in all things. If you can, see the direct cause and effect judgment, the consequences, if it's applicable. But we should always see the warning. We should always see the warning. So-and-so died. He died young. You think it was because of his sin? I don't know. But it should bring sobriety to all of us. In pregnancy, before the water breaks, before you have the true labor pains, there are oftentimes false labor pains. Warning, pre-labor pain. Braxton Hicks, which is the uterus contracting in preparation for giving birth. I think that's what's happening out here in the world. I've thought it for many, many years. You've grown up listening, some of you. To me warning you, this is all just warning for what's coming. This isn't even the labor yet. This isn't even the tribulation period. This, this, this is, the water's not even broken. This, this, what you're seeing right now is the shaking, the getting ready, the pre-labor pains to let you know judgment's coming. Now listen. The Lord's voice crieth unto the city. Now listen to this. The man of wisdom shall see thy name. Oh, that's beautiful. He's saying God's obedient watchman. Anyone who can discern the times, anybody that's wise, will see the Lord in these things. You're not going to look at COVID and not see the Lord. You're not going to look at AIDS upon the world and not see the Lord. You're not going to look at fires and hurricanes and tornadoes and diseases and war and the consequences of sin and more sin. You're not going to look at all of that. If you're wise, you'll say, oh, I see the Lord. I see the Lord warning. I see the Lord crying out to us, telling us right now, get on your face. Do what's right. Because it's bad. It's coming. 
man of wisdom shall see thy name. That is, in the afflictions. For whatever reason, God allowed that. I'm not saying individually that somebody was at fault because they were raped. I'm not telling you that you're to look at things in that way and judge when there's no light to judge upon. I'm telling you when you see sin in general, when you see these judgments come upon the cities, you are to repent, get sober, and understand that these are warnings. To whatever degree somebody is responsible. It's a wake-up call. But the Bible says fools make a mock at sin. They laugh right in the face of their judgment. They could be burning all around them with fires and curses and dung in their streets and all kinds of horrible things going on all around them. And they're still mocking. They, they, they don't see anything. They don't see God in their judgments. All they see is, you know what? These Christians are causing us to be cursed. We got to do something about these Christians. When Rome burned and had all kinds of trouble, they said it's because these Christians, they're negative vibrations. You got New Agers out there, they're saying these Christians, they're not very positive about things. They're bringing a negative spirit. That's why we're having so many afflictions. Fools make a mock at sin. Hey, let me tell you something. This is so important. Proverbs 13 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. That means you'll be able to see God in things. See? But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Why is that? Because that foolishness rubs off on you. You know, you heard a lot about how contagious COVID is. And people were masking up as if that was going to save you from COVID. I'm going to tell you something. There's something more contagious and deadly than COVID or a physical disease. And that's the folly that is upon a fool. You will catch that. It will rub off on you. It'll give you a stupid spirit. A stupid spirit. I I tell you what, you're, you're afraid of catching a disease. You ought to be afraid of catching stupidity by walking with fools. You can preach to fools. You can try to instruct fools. But I tell you what, when you end up being a companion to them, their foolishness rubs off on you and now you can't see God. You can't see the judgments that are upon you as coming from God. You can't see the judgments upon this nation as coming from God. You're just confused morally. Your your brain's been scrambled. The Lord's voice crieth into the city. should be able to hear it. The man of wisdom shall see thy name. That is in the afflictions. And then he says, Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? What a strange phrase. Hear ye the rod. You would think he would say, See the rod. You would think he would say, Feel the rod. But he says, hear it, hear it. When you go through the life of hard knocks, when a city gets judged, when a nation gets judged, when you begin to get judged for your sin, 
Be like the prodigal. Don't be like the prodigal and leaving and being stupid to begin with. But I'm telling you, the prodigal began to feel. He began to see around him. But more importantly, he began to hear the rod. He heard what it was saying to him. He heard. See, What God's saying is don't just let afflictions come to you and you just ignore them or despise them. Hear what God's saying to you in the afflictions, whether it's you personally, whether it's upon your nation. And don't just hear what they're saying, but along with that, and who hath appointed it? Say, this is the Lord. This is the Lord. It's the Lord that did this to me. It's the Lord that's trying. I can hear right now what the rod's saying. It's saying fools make a mock at sin, and I've been making a mock at sin. Oh, I can hear what it's saying right now. It's saying I better humble myself before the Lord. Oh, I hear what the Lord's saying right now. I can hear the commandment that I broke. I can hear it right now. The rod caused the voice of God through His Scripture to basically begin to cry in my ears. It says in Hebrews 12, You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. I want to let you realize it doesn't say that you will automatically hear the rod. It's a command to hear the rod. There's a certain amount of wisdom, a certain amount of discernment that you need to have. It's a command to hear the rod. And you're told here, basically, hear these chastisements. Hear what God is saying through them. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. These are two extremes you could make when God begins to chastise you. Number one, you could say, that's nothing. Well, just imagine a child. You have a little child and he's going to get a spanking. And the child looks up and you says, that didn't hurt. You walk away and you listen and you could hear him tell little brother or little sister, it didn't even hurt. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. Ooh, buddy, that's a way to get another one, right? <laughs> and probably a few more. Don't you despise. Basically tell God, ouch, God, that hurt. That hurt really bad, God. Don't do it again. That's enough, God. Don't even swing again. I get it. I get it. See? Don't you despise it. Don't make light of it. But there's the other extreme of saying, well, why don't you just kill me? God hates me and whatever, you know. He's always hated me and blah, 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 blah. And you just roll over and you just basically just melt, but not in a good way. That's not humility. That's whining and self-pity, you know. That's like the little child that screams out and gets down on the ground after you spank him and starts kicking all over the place. He says, you hate me, you hate me, you hate me. I know you hate me and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just... Don't do either one of those things to God. Because neither one of those is hearing the rod. And neither one of those will allow that chastisement to do its purpose. See? He says in Jeremiah 2, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob. 
You know, I want you to hear the Word, and then you want to have to hear the rod. But if you haven't been hearing the Word, God's going to try to bring the Word to you, either through preachers or parents or whoever it might be. But if you still don't hear the Word, then you're going to have to hear the rod. Hopefully. See that school bus that I had at the front here that said the life of hard knocks or the school of hard knocks. See, when you're not going to hear the Word anymore, God says, okay, that's enough. They're not listening. Bring them over there to the other department. And the angels bring you over to the other department. Because now, hopefully they'll hear the, hear the rod. See, you go, to the, you go to the school of hard knocks now. You say, no, I want to go back to the other school. No, no, you've been kicked out of that school. Now you're in the school of hard knocks. Hopefully you'll hear that. Hopefully you'll do all your lessons and your homework and you'll make good grades. But if not, then at the judgment seat of Christ, God says, well, I put you through the school of the word. I put you through the school of hard knocks and you didn't respond to any of it. So during the thousand year kingdom, you're going to a real school of hard knocks. On the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He says, Thy own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. In other words, God says, You ought to be able to look and see, I barely did anything. I just left you to your sin. Fellow gets out here, and the Bible says, Look not at the wine, and he starts looking at it and staring at it and going places where people are drinking. Next thing you know, he's drinking. Next thing you know, he's on drugs. Next thing you know, he's losing his job. Next thing you know, he can't go to work the next day. Next thing you know, he can't pay his bills. Next thing you know, he lost his wallet at the bar that night. Next thing you know, he got robbed. Next thing you know, he's got all of these things happening to him. And what the Bible's saying is, I barely had to do anything to, to you. I just left you to your stupidity. I left you to your sin. I left you to the consequences of your sin. But you know, people, it, it should be so plain. Wow, this is a result of my drunkenness. This is a result of me disobeying God. But instead... They don't hear it. They don't hear it. You're not making a connection. A fellow gets up here and starts banging his head against the wall. And he says, I have a headache. Why don't you make the connection? Okay? You got a, ga- you got a lawnmower designed for a certain type of gas by the designer. You put something in it that's not designed by the designer of the lawnmower to stick in it. And all of a sudden it starts getting sick. You go to the mechanic and say, you got to fix my lawnmower. Put something in it. Maybe there's water in the gas, but can you pour something in there, get rid of that water? And then you come back home and pour more water in your gas tank. So I'm going to go to a different mechanic. Now, why don't you figure out cause and effect? Why don't you figure out what the designer designed to be in your body and figure out why you're getting all these other things in your life that shouldn't be there? Maybe it has something to do with what you're sticking in your body. That's just an illustration for you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Wow. He goes on to say, is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? Why is all these things happening? Has thou not procured this unto thyself? And that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way? See, the prophet is reasoning. Why don't you hear? Why don't you look at the things that are happening unto you and say, you know what? I shouldn't have got off course. I've offended God. I've hurt God's feelings. 
I've grieved God. And in one sense, God's not only angry at me, He's hurt. He's hurt. And the things He's bringing in my life are actually merciful because He's trying to get me back where I ought to be. In vain have I smitten your children. They received no correction. They didn't hear the rod. They said, I don't know what this is. Maybe it's bad luck. Your own sword have devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. The prophets tried to come and say, hey, you got to repent. Bad things are coming. And see, the things that have already happened, it's because of your sin. And they said, we're going to kill you, smart mouth. We don't want to hear you, you negative preacher. We want to heap to ourselves teachers that will tell us things we want to hear. Oh, generations, see ye the word of the Lord. See ye the word. That means see it before you have to experience the rod. And then when the rod comes, hear the rod. Hear God's word in the rod. Say, God said this would happen. He said this. His word said it right here. I see it right now. I can hear it. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. That's like that verse that says, will a woman forget her own child? God has to answer, yeah, sometimes she will. You're in a generation right now where maids have forgotten their ornament. Virgins have forgotten their ornaments because they're afraid to be feminine. They're not afraid to have blue hair and green hair and all kinds of things like that, but they're afraid to be feminine. They're afraid to do anything that makes them look like a girl. See, Scared to death. Scared to death. Isn't that the strangest thing you've ever seen? Strangest thing. You're not going to hear the word when the life of hard knocks come. Will you hear those? See, young people, if you've chosen not to hear your parents, if you ever choose not to hear your parents, if you ever choose not to hear the preacher, You've got to go to that other department. You, to, you have to go to the life of hard knocks. Maybe God help you. You will get good grades in the life of hard knocks, in the school of hard knocks. I hope you see it. I hope you're one of those that call me up and say, you know what? I'm about to graduate from the life of hard knocks. You were right. That's the school I went to. You were right, preacher. I got a list of those that have already done that. Praise God for them. Praise God for the light they have. Praise God that they were able to get back. Praise God they were able to do all of that to somehow get through it and hear God. Bible says in Proverbs 13, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. When you set out on the road in the school of hard knocks, you think the way of transgressors is fun, exciting. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard knowing what you know and then trying to go out into the world and have fun.
You almost have to totally dilute yourself. D- delude yourself. You almost have to totally just harden yourself. And even then, you can't escape that voice. When you have little children, you're responsible as parents to teach them the way of the Lord, the way of truth. And the first thing that ought to happen is there ought to come a time when you say pick up that sheet of paper or that thing that you just dropped and go put it in the trash can. And when you know they're old enough to understand that, I'm not saying put marks all over them. I'm not saying abuse your child. I'm not saying, but I'm saying you ought to be able to say, go pick that up. And you ought to be able to give them, the Bible says the rod and reproof gives wisdom. Do you want your child to have wisdom? Well, if you leave them to their self-will, they're never going to have wisdom. If you leave them to their stubbornness, and that's what most parents do. I, I said that. Most parents in America and in churches today leave that will hardened and rebellious in that child. They never go through a time where they walk over and they say, Daddy said, no, pick it up. Then they look at you like you're crazy. And you walk over and pop them again and say, pick it up. And you might have to do that a few times before finally, little Josiah, I hope I don't embarrass you today, son. But I tell you what, when he was getting his will put straight, it was a hard one. He's a hard nut to crack. I tell you what, I, I said, son, come here to daddy. And he wouldn't come. So I went over there and gave him a little pop. I said, son, come to daddy. And he wouldn't come. He wouldn't come. And finally, after a while, he took off running toward me. And I'm like, oh, praise God. And ran right to mama. I said, why, you little, uh-uh, no, 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 no. He had a little trick, see. He had, he had one last thing. Trying to just keep that will, see. But then finally he came and it was celebration, hugs and everything. Praise God. And you know what? Except for maybe one more time at a conference where I said outside and outside meant we go to the bathroom and we take care of some business and bring you back. You're going to sit on the pew. You're going to be quiet. Well, um, it's pretty much over. I'm not saying you'll never have to spank your child again, but it's pretty much over. They're, they're obedient to a large degree unless somebody comes and messes them up again. See. There's some maintenance that you have to do. But what if you never, ever, ever get that will submissive unto you? What do you think's going to happen? Once they realize they have the strength and the ability and the power, they're going to go off into sin. And I'm not saying that it's your fault if everybody goes into sin, if somebody goes into sin, but I'm saying I'm trying to get you to understand. What even good homeschool parents do is they say, hey, come here, come here. Oh, oh don't you make me mad. Oh, don't, hey, you hear what I said? Go do this, go do this. Uh, okay, I'm going to take you to your daddy. I'm going to take you to your daddy. And they take him to the daddy, and then the daddy says, hey, don't you do that. And then pretty soon there's some type of big, I mean, it's just, it's not necessary. It's not right. Quit repeating yourself over and over and over. The Bible says, He that spares his rod hates his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes while he's got the chance. 
Proverbs 22, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. It's stuck there. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And I tell you what, that foolishness that's stuck there, that's never been driven out. And you say, you know what? My daughter, my son has become a fool. How did that get stuck in there? Why was it still stuck? Are you sure you drove it out? No, no. From my watching and seeing, most Christians, it's stuck in there still. It's stuck in there. You can almost see the ones. Because if somebody else comes up and reproves them or says something to them, they'll snap back at you. They'll give you a smart answer, see. Like, who are you to tell me anything? And a lot of times, here comes mama to rescue them, see. The rod and reproof, not just reproof, 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 reproof. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Listen here. It's your parents' goal. It should be to save you from the life of hard knocks and help you be an obedient Christian to the Lord. So you may receive the fullest amount of blessings that you could receive from God and the fullness of joy and be a light and a testimony and get that well done, thou good and faithful servant, when Jesus comes. You know, my goal as a pastor is that for you. My goal is to save these young people from the life of hard knocks. I'm trying to do what I can as a preacher to save you from what many of these have already gone through, from what many that could come to our church and testify have gone through. I'm trying to save you from what I went through. I'm trying to plead with you to not go through what I went through. I was taken to Sunday school a few times as a child. We didn't pray in my home. I didn't have a praying home. There was no Bible teaching in my home. There was no Bible pray. There was nothing in my home like that. I'd go to my grandmother's and she'd take me to Sunday school. Sometimes I got a friend and he would begin to preach to me and tell me things. We're talking as a little child. Went to a camp, YMCA, a lot of Christians around there. At eight years old, I got a children's Bible and took it downstairs in my room and began to read it. I read all about Abraham and Isaac. I read about all David and the giant. I read all these stories. And God began to speak to me through those stories. And when I got older, even though I had that light, I walked away from it. And I said, you know what? When I get this was really my plan. I was reading books about horses at eight years old. I loved horses. I, I loved the mountains. It was my favorite place. I said, one day, maybe about 28, I'll get me a sweet little wife. I'll get me a cabin somewhere. I have a lot of horses. I'll get up there in those mountains, and I'll be good, God, I promise. But right now, for a few years, I'm going to experiment. You know what God said? He knocked me off my feet. I can't even tell you some of what God did to me. Maybe one day I will. 
One of the main things is he put me through a car wreck, slammed me upside down, went through my sunroof, flipped my car all over the place, almost killed my friend. Praise God, I didn't. And I tell you what, I still got up and started running from God. He hit me again, and he hit me again. And I finally I said, I give up God. I give up God. Now let me tell you something. God says, with the amount of, and everybody said I went crazy. They said, you hear Joey went crazy, man. He's into some type of religious stuff, man. Blah, blah, be in a restaurant. Hey, I heard you went crazy. No, I didn't go crazy. I came to God. This is where I ought to be. This is how God brought me home. I walked away from the light that I had. This is why I tremble for you. Because the light you have as a homeschool kid, the light that you have growing up in a fundamental church preaching from the King James Bible, the understanding and light you have, you can do great things for God with that light. It's a goodly heritage. We didn't give it to you to curse you. But I tell you what, that light can become lightning real quick. And if God did that to me based on that little bit of light I had, what will he do to somebody that walks away from all of that light? All of those things that I never got. All of those things that I never heard. What about these people that can live holy and they don't have half the light that you have? I'm trying to save you from the life of hard knocks. From the school of hard knocks. So, let me share with you a few things here. Why do people not hear the word at first? Well, you got the flesh. The Bible says the devil comes and plucks it out of your, out of your heart. The evil communications and fools, they, they just cause you to be a fool. Well, you grew up hearing the truth, but now you got around a fool and the fool talked out of you. Now you have evil communication. You listen to junk on Facebook, social media, all over the place. You're just listening to a bunch of garbage and that evil communication made you foolish. It took the light right out of you. But why don't they hear the rod when they get in this school of hard knocks? Why don't you hear God? You'll see people backsliders and you say, why can't they see the things that are happening? What a connection. We got Bible verses all over the place. Why can't you see what is happening to you is a result of the sin that you have done? Let's look at just a few reasons. Reason number one. They're just stubborn and hard-headed. They're just stubborn and hard-headed. There's some children, you could just say, you know what, don't do that, and they'll begin to cry and repent, and it's, it's all over. There are others that just look at you and cuss you with their language, with their face, you know, and they're just hard. How'd that devil get in you? I, I guess you're born with it to some degree, but sometimes you just let a devil manifest. I tell you what, that foolishness is bound in there and they'll just cuss you right to your face. You barely touch them. What in the world happened? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Hey, I did it. I got that car wreck. I said, did I kill? I woke up, you know, 40-something stitches. I woke up, as you know, on the operating table. I only remember a few things. I remember being upside down and somebody cussing, trying to get me out of the car. And then I remember laying on my friend's lap with a coat around my head. And I said, what in the world's wrong with me? Is it bad? And 
Boy, he told me with some colorful language, it's bad, man, just be still. So I just said, okay, just forget it, I'm going out. Then I woke up in the ambulance, and then I woke up on the operating table, and they had the shaver, and they were about to shave my head. And, and I tell you, as clear as I'm sitting right here, I woke up on that operating table, and I grabbed that surgeon's hand, and I said, you're not cutting my hair. And every, I heard everybody in the whole place laugh. They said, son, you're bleeding to death. Your head is split wide open, okay? And so, and you're worried about your hair. That's how stupid I was, you know. But I did this. I made my face harder. That just means God's got to hit you again with something worse. See, don't make God have to keep beating you. Don't be like this fella. Proverbs 23, they have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I was not sick. They have beat me, and I felt it not. When shall I wake? I will seek it yet again. A drunk person gets out here, gets drunk, goes through all of these hard knocks, and he goes right back to it. Isn't that the most crazy thing? Here's really the problem. Though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. The bigger a fool you are, the more it takes God to have to beat you to try to get this mess out of your heart. Something your parents should have probably already beat out of you a long time ago, but maybe they did and you were just a fool when you are growing up. Whatever the reason, whether your parents contributed to it or whether it's your fault, whatever the situation here, when you got this foolishness in you, you will not budge until God just continues to do a work in you. God can do it. But there is the reality that a lot of people go through these hard knocks and they never repent. They never repent. They're going to stand before God with all their excuses. And then they're going to go into outer darkness. They're going to receive from the Lord what they've done in their body. Okay, what are some reasons fools use in their own conceit? Number one, they say it's just chance. It's just bad luck, man. I'm going through a bunch of bad luck. It's just chance. These things can happen to anybody. I know, but it's connected directly to you and it's connected to your sin. It's just bad luck. Just bad luck. That's what the Philistine said in Samuel. It says, If it goeth up by the way of his own coast of Bethlehemesh, uh, uh, then he hath done us this great evil. Talking about God. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that smote us. It was a chance that happened to us. So they had hemorrhoids all over him. They said it might be because we have this ark and we've offended that same God that cursed Egypt. You want to be a fool and harden yourself? Remember what happened to Pharaoh? Man, we don't want that God getting on us and we already got hemorrhoids everywhere. So they said, I tell you what, let's do an experiment. Because right now we're kind of divided. It might have just been a chance. We might be just having bad luck. You know how many backsliders think they're having bad luck? You quit lying to yourself, man, and hear the rod. That ain't bad luck. That's a warning whipping for what's coming. What's the other reason? What's another reason? They surround themselves with people. And I remember preaching so many times on the street, and there'd be two lesbians walking by, and... uh, 
One lesbian would begin to listen and hear the Word of God and begin to get convicted. And that other lesbian, usually the muscular one, would grab her and jerk her down the road and say, you're not listening to these preachers. And I'm like, but wait a minute, they're making sense. And then she just dragged down the road, see. Hey, you listen to me now. It says, because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and you strengthen the hands of the wicked that he should not return from his way by promising him life. When you get an idea that you think, man, I tell you what, I think God's been on me. I think I need to do right. I don't need to wait till later. I need to get right right now, buddy. I need to get right right now. There's always some friend, some enabler somewhere that's going to say, you know what? You're a beautiful person in God's eyes, and He loves you, and God would never... I don't believe in a God of judgment, and I don't believe this is happening to you, and you know the same mess. They basically puff them up and fill them up. It's called enabling. See, wherever there's a drunkard, there's usually an enabler somewhere, right? In any sin, there's always an enabler somewhere, patting them on the back and strengthening them, saying, oh, it's okay, it's okay. It might be your own parents. You know, I come home and say, I, I'm not paying my bills and my electricity got cut off and all of these things. And, and you, your mom might say, oh, that's not your fault. That's not your fault. It's okay. It has nothing to do with your lifestyle. And they can't hurt your credit. It's no big deal. Don't worry. You know, that, that's bad advice, people. Beware of the enabler that's going to keep you from repenting and they're going to end up. Remember, Jacob's mom said, I'll take your punishment. You lie to your dad. It doesn't matter. I'll take your punishment. She was a liar. Jacob had 21-something years of punishment that he had to receive for what he did. And usually it's the same thing you did to somebody else. He deceives, so he goes through a life of being deceived by Laban. And it wasn't until he came back to God limping. Oh, the limping of Jacob. You beware of saying it's just chance. You beware of those enablers that will try to talk you out of it. Now here's the big problem. The next problem is delay. It hadn't happened exactly yet. But if you'll look at your life, you could talk to somebody and say, are you telling me this and this and this and this and this wasn't God's judgment? You're not even seeing what's already happened to you, man or woman. But they say, well, it hasn't gone really all that bad yet. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. I don't know, but maybe that prodigal, when he walked into a bar, there was somebody out front that gave him a gospel track. I don't know. Maybe he heard somebody singing some hymns or something. And it sounded like his father's house. But he went inside there and he says, everything's great. I got lots of money, man. I'll pay drinks for everybody. But wait a minute. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. They don't repent until you knock them upside the head. If you repent before it comes, praise God for that. You are wise. It comes in ways with Pharaoh, didn't it? It would come. He'd get a little afraid. Then it'd come again. 
and come again and come again. He said, I repent, I repent. He says, no, I don't. Psych. Then what happened? God smote His firstborn all over Egypt. There was a cry like you've never heard before. And what happened? He repented temporarily. You're always looking for that out. You're always looking for that bad luck. You're always looking at it and saying, well, nothing really bad has happened to me yet. Don't forget the law of the harvest. It's that way with blessings. It's that way with curses. It doesn't have to be. God doesn't have to wait. But He says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That's harvest. There's a reaping time. There's a planting time. Remember it says in James, Behold, the husbandman waiteth, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. Whatever you plant, it's going to grow later. It doesn't grow up tomorrow. You plant something and water it and fertilize it, do whatever you got to do, it's going to come up. But whatever you planted, whatever seeds you planted is what you're going to get. You're planting seeds of the flesh. You're planting seeds of sin. Oh, don't worry. It will reap. The Bible says that sin will reap death. That lust will reap sin, and that sin will soon reap death, destruction, judgment. So three things, chance, the enablers, and this time factor here. They think they're getting away with something. You're not. You're not. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing. Then all of a sudden it comes. The other problem is they don't know what form the rod takes. They said, God didn't come down here and spank me with His hand. Hey, one day He will. One day He will. But He hadn't done that yet, so He uses instruments. He uses others to do it for Him. He might even use the devil to do it for Him. You don't see God's hand in their afflictions because what, what do you think you're looking for? The Bible says Jesus baptized. But then it says, but He didn't baptize. His disciples did for Him. God uses instruments. God uses instruments. It says in 2 Samuel 7, I will be His father. He shall be my son. If He commit iniquity, I will chasten Him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. It says in Isaiah, O Assyrian, the rod of my anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. God used the Assyrian nation. And he says the Assyrian was conceited and didn't even know God was using him. But God says, I used that king. I gave him power to punish the other nations for discipline, for punishment. That was my rod. That was my rod. That wicked king was my rod. He can use people. He can use sickness. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, it doesn't mean all sickness is from God's judgment or punishment, but it says, for this cause, many are weak. What is that? That's something other than being sickly. Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. They've already died. They've already died. God says, I've already killed some of them. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That means if you would repent, examine yourself, God wouldn't have to whip you. If you would hear the word, you don't have to go through the school of hard knocks. For when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. That's during the millennial kingdom. That's at the judgment seat of Christ. God doesn't want you to get in trouble when He comes. So He tries to give you a whipping now to see if you'll repent. So 
so you don't have to receive the worst judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. But I want you to see here sickness, weakness, even death. And that's a scary thing because some people that I've known, and I could tell you their names, that backslid, God just went ahead and took. God just went ahead and took. I know one fella. God just took him. I know a couple of fellas. God just took them. They were taken in their sin. They were taken in their backslidden state. They never had a chance to repent that I know of. You say, well, I'm still alive. Well, hey, you ought to praise God. You ought to praise God. You have hope. In my last few minutes, let me deal with something very important. One problem is people think, well, okay, I understand that God can use an instrument or sickness or give me a car wreck or whatever it might be. God can use this. Um, but none of those things have happened to me that I can see. Do you know when you begin to lose your light and your standards, that's God's judgment? That's one of the worst judgments you can ever experience. The loss of light, the loss of standards, being turned from a wise man into a fool. And the whole time you're a fool, you're like, hey, nothing's happened to me. Nothing's happened to me. I don't believe anything I used to believe, but nothing's happened to me. You're a walking testimony of judgment. How did that happen to you? How did you lose all of those convictions? Man, I don't want that to happen to me. The Bible says, Proverbs, He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. God says, I have wisdom to give the righteous, which means if you're unrighteous, God takes away this wisdom and doesn't give it to you. He says in Luke 8, Take heed therefore how you hear, for whosoever has, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. You don't respond to God's light. God says, oh, you don't like my light? The Bible says you receive not the love of the truth. What does He do? He turns you over. The Bible says, from him shall be taken even that which he seems to have. Which means... He didn't respond to light. He didn't want to grow as a Christian. God took away the stuff he already had. You say, well, I'm not going to grow as a Christian. I'm not going to go that way yet. But I have some things, and this is true. No matter what I did, no matter what songs I would play, no matter what sin I committed, you weren't allowed to say the Lord's name in vain around me. I don't, I don't know how I had that. Don't ask me. But that was one thing I had, <laughs> I tell you what. There were some other things I had, but there were some things I had that before you know it, I didn't have it anymore. They'd say, oh, there's Joey. Uh, don't play any satanic songs, you know. We can't play any satanic songs. Next thing you know, I'm in a bar playing Black Sabbath songs. You know, I was convicted. We'd play a Striper song right before it, make me feel better. I was losing whatever little bit of light I had. Proverbs, the light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. 
You're going to lose the light you had, friend. It says in Romans 1, Wherefore God also gave them up. They didn't want to hear about God. They didn't want to receive God. So it says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And I tell you what, where we are as a nation, I tell you what, you've already dealt with uh, cross-dressing, lust, immodesty, uh, divorce, uh, adultery, and now homosexuality, and you know what comes after it. And now you just type in, it says many of the movies that are out, many of the television shows right now feature incest. Just about every one of them. It was amazing. They had to do an article on it. Somebody, a relative, whatever, having an affair with a relative. See, we're right here in Leviticus. We're right here with the sins. And, and I tell you what, that'll just be a little blip in the road before pedophilia and everything else comes. See. But you're already there. The entertainment of America right now glorifies incest. The average em entertainment of America. I remember Mike read something or saw something, and Brother Mike, and he said, uh, you know, this is happening. I said, no, I didn't know, but I tell you what, I just read an article. It's happening. It's happening. Just about every one of them. Just about every one of the shows. They're being turned over. The nation is being given up. Individual believers can be given up to some degree to their sins. In fact, it says in Psalm 69, add iniquity unto their iniquity. Let them not come into thy righteousness. It's as if God says, oh, you like dirt, you like mud, you like gross things, you like the sewer. God kicks you in the butt and sends you into the whole thing. Go, go ahead and go swimming in it then if that's what you want. I'm not saying you blame God for sin. I'm telling you, He will withdraw the protections. In some way, you withdraw yourself from them. All the helps God had, you know. You don't want to be around those that reprove you. You don't want to be around the church. You don't want to be... So you end up without that protection and you end up in sin. You want sin? Okay. Remember the old saying that the old preachers, I think the old Wesleyan Methodist preachers, them old holiness fellows, they used to say that the devil will take you further than you ever intended to go. And he will leave you there longer than you ever intended to stay. And I think that's a good saying. I think that's a good saying. He says over here, but my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust and they walked in their own counsels. What if God just said, I'll just give you what you want then. That's what you want? You don't want me? Okay. You don't want prayer in school? You don't want God in school? Okay, you'll have a godless. I tell you, it was already bad to begin with and now it's really godless. They're shooting it up and all kinds of vile drag queens and things going on in there. What am I telling you? Being turned over is judgment. And many people look at their friend or a relative and they say, hey, it seems like they're having fun. And I haven't seen them have some great judgment yet. Sit down and talk with them for a minute. Say, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? They'll have some things they're still holding to, but look what they've already lost. Wow, how did you ever lose that? And you get around them, all of a sudden, now you're losing those things with no shame. The Bible says they're like Sodom. They don't even have any shame. They don't even blush at what they're doing. But if Jesus was to come down with all those angels right now, they'd be so ashamed. 
In fact, they'd be so ashamed just to be around a godly Christian. See, you might not really know what's going on in their life. Maybe they are not as happy as you think. Maybe they're tormented with conviction, loss of joy, severe depression, torment by spirits. Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned, says God. He said, I didn't do anything to deserve these things. Remember this verse, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, nevertheless afterward, that yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Maybe what you're going through is like Job. Maybe it's not a direct affliction because of your sin. The Bible says Job was perfect. The Bible said not absolutely perfect. He had some things to learn, and that's my point today. Is, was Job chastened by God? It depends on what you mean by the word chastened. I believe Job came out better than he was. I believe he came out better than he, than he was. His friend says, oh, you're going through this because of your sin. You must have had secret sin because we know nobody goes through what you're going through unless they've sinned like the devil, Job. You've been a hypocrite this whole time. Why don't you just confess to us? And they got in a lot of trouble. They got in a lot of trouble before God. They had to go to Job and get prayed for before God judged those people. But that doesn't mean that Job did not receive more purity more fear of God, more light, more holiness from what happened to him. So for that reason, if you are going through an affliction, look and see if it's your fault somehow and repent. But if you can't find anything to repent of, still understand that you need to respond to the affliction as if it was punishment. And what I mean by that is there's a chastening that that isn't really punishment for sin, but it's going to make you better if you don't despise it. See, Let me show you. The word chase in Oxford Dictionary says pure from unlawful sexual intercourse. It means virtuous. It means morally pure, free from guilt, innocent. So therefore the word chasten, here's the word chase um, as a verb, actually, to chaste somebody. It means to correct or amend by discipline, to reprove, rebuke to inflict corrective punishment on. See, this might not necessarily be corrective punishment, but it does make you better. So therefore, chasten means to inflict disciplinary or corrective punishment on, to visit with infliction for the purpose of moral improvement. Now, wait a minute. You can have affliction visited upon you so you can be a better person and it not necessarily be punishment. Number two, it says, oh yeah, it does mean punish sometimes or to render chaste or pure in character or style, to purify, to refine. Maybe it's not absolute where you're just getting a whipping for what you did, but maybe God says, I need to, I need to shave a little bit off of you here. I need to prune you like a branch gets pruned, see. So what you're going through might be punishment, 
but it might also be God says, I've got to basically fix some things here. See, I'm going to refine you a little bit. I'm going to prune you. I'm going to purge you. And it might hurt a whole lot. But the, the, the point is, is you're to stay on the potter's wheel. The point is you're to let the gardener cut whatever he needs to cut. See, and you're to let God have his way. You're not to despise it. You're not to faint under it. So now look, look at, look, let's look in the Bible for these words. Proverbs 19, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. That's probably the punishment definition of chasten. Revelation 3, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That definitely is a punishment, but it can include other definitions along with it. God loves us, so He wants to make us better, like He did Job. Leviticus 26, if you will, for all this hearken unto me, not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sin. That's definitely punishment. Daniel, then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. That seems to have the definition of um, purify, purge, uh, that type of thing. Psalm 69, when I wept and chastened my soul with fasting. That seems to have something further than just punishment. Psalm 73, verily I have cleansed my heart. There's that word, in vain. And washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Maybe he says God's whipping me. Every single morning. Wake up. Maybe he's saying God is whipping me every morning. Or maybe he's saying I'm going through plagues every morning. I'm going through afflictions every morning, whether or not it's his fault or not. You can still be angry that you're going through bad things and the wicked are going through good things. Virgin says the gardener prunes his best roses with most care. Chastisement is sent to keep successful saints humble, to make them tender towards others, and to enable them to bear the high honors which their heavenly friend puts upon them. Clark says, Neither correction, wholesome restraint, nor gymnastic discipline are pleasant to them that are thus exercised. But it is by these means that obedient children, scholars, and great men are made. Everything the gymnast goes through isn't punishment, you see. So I close with 2 Corinthians. Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure. Not because he was. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that he had. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. God could say to Paul, this isn't for your punishment, Paul. It's to keep you humble. It's to keep you like you are. I'm doing this for you. So you'll stay humble, Paul. But Paul had to receive this in the right spirit, whether it was chastisement because of sin or not. Our Lord talked about this type of chastening. He says in John 15, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, that's the good guy, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That purging is going to hurt. That pruning of the heavenly gardener is going to hurt. So let the affliction do its job. Whether it's punishment for your sin, 
or not. Repent where you can. But whatever you do, whatever trials you're going through, understand that God is going to use it for a reason. God, if you will be exercised through it, is going to refine you and make you a better person. If we can use what happened to some people when a tower fell upon them, if we could use that as sobriety to repent, then when God brings affliction, even even if it's not for our sin in our own life, we can use that to repent. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That's talking about trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God's saying that those divers, those different types of trials that you fall into, they work patience in you. They work holiness in you. Let them have their perfect work. Romans 5, and not only so, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience. Finally, Paul said, for this thing, this buffeting, this thorn in the flesh that was to keep him humble, he besought the Lord thrice, three times that it might depart from me. Paul says, God, you got to remove this. Whatever it is, we don't know. Maybe he was, couldn't see very well. Whatever it was, he said, Lord, I can't do my job as a preacher. You need to get rid of this thing out of my life. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory, says Paul, in my infirmities, my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasure, therefore, in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. Dear Father, we do pray that we will, as the Apostle Paul, if for some reason we cannot find something we've done to repent of, Let us search our hearts, God. Let us not be blind. When we go through trials and afflictions, Lord, let us examine ourselves. Let us judge ourselves. Let us seek for wisdom and revelation that you may show us, God. And anything we can find that comes to our mind to repent of, let us repent, Father. But Lord, even then, if the affliction has nothing to do that we can find with sin. Help us, Father, to pray against it, to pray out of it, to do what we can to better ourselves. But Father, let us not get bitter with You. Let us know that You're making us a better person. keeping us humble, helping us be humble, helping us be empathetic with others who now might have to go through the same thing or have gone through the same thing, Lord. We can have more mercy, more compassion, more feeling for them, Lord. They can say, why are you helping me? And we can say, I've been through it. May we receive that joy that comes from holiness.
Now, Lord, lastly, I pray for every young person in here. I pray that none of them will get on that bus. I pray none of them will have to get on that bus that leads to the school of hard knocks, God. But thank you, Father, for those that have been through it. And they're ready to warn others and say, don't go there. Listen, do what's right. The pastor and your parents and good people that are still walking in the truth, they're just trying to save you from a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of grief. Now we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' holy, holy name. Amen.